Hello, I'm really glad you joined us online today. We're talking about limiting sadness today, and sadness' basic feeling is, woe is me. That's a good picture of sadness right there. On the positive side, sadness signals to others that they need to comfort us, and good people want to cover it, comfort us when we're sad. It also signals that we need to take the time to recoup and grieve, and that's an important thing. Several years ago, I lost my parents uh, about a year and a half apart from one another. When I lost my dad, I was surprised at how the grief comes in waves. It was a dramatic day of last day of my dad's life, he had a BiPAP machine on, and he asked me, Randy, is this thing keeping me alive? And it was shoving air down his throat. And I said, I I don't know, Dad, maybe. He said, take it off. He was ready to die. Um, I asked him if he could wait until my brother and sister got here from Oklahoma and Tennessee. And he agreed. He hung on. My dad died that day after my brother and sister had arrived. And it seemed like I was living in a TV show or movie on, on, in that scene. But it, it was real life for sure. A heaviness looms at times like this that can slow us down. Gratitude really helps with the heaviness. Colossians 4.2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. I thought about all the things I appreciated about my dad, and there were many. He was a good man. He was a godly man. And that really helped lift the heaviness. My mom's health started to decline shortly after my dad died, and I took her to the hospital, same ER, same ICU, uh, the same nurse in the ER, and I, I thought, I can't take this again right now. The truth is, I can take it if God decides I need to. My prayer was, though, that Lord If this is mom's time, I can handle it, but I would really appreciate it if you'd give me some more space between my mom's death and my dad's death and my mom's death. And I thank God. First Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. And the Lord graciously gave me more time between my mom and dad's death, and I was grateful he did. Let's think about what triggers sadness. Loss, first of all, a a loved one's sickness or death or something like losing a job. When my kids or grandkids hurt, I hurt with them. There is always something to be concerned about and 
that reminds you that earth is earth. It's not heaven here <laughs> on this earth. And another loss is rejection by a friend or lover. And that rejection is painful and it, it can lead to extreme sadness. You may experience loss of identity during a transition. Maybe you're dealing with an empty nest for the first time or, and that brings on sadness. You may lose a job or maybe you're newly retired. Either one of those can throw you for a loop. Or, or you're in a life stage that's been challenging to you, like in your 40s when your body start, starts letting you down, it starts breaking down, and it grieves you not to be able to do what you once did. Disappointment or a disappointing outcome. Often you find yourself in circumstances that surprise you. They disappoint you. They didn't turn out the way you thought they would, and you're disappointed big time. If life hasn't turned out the way you thought it would, you get into discouragement and maybe even depression. For me, discouragement come, come out of nowhere and I have to, when, when discouragement comes, I have to fight condemnation. They, they go hand in hand. Sadness can lead you to disengage and collapse into yourself. Anger gives a burst of energy, but sadness sucks the energy right out of you like a vacuum. This is a clip from the movie Inside Out, which is a pretty good summary of how our emotions interact with one another. Dr. Paul Ekman, uh, a well-known psychology professor at UC San Francisco and researcher in the area of emotions, was a consultant for Inside Out. It shows how emotions uh, uh, impact us and interact, and here's how joy and sadness are in the interacting in the video. Let, let's watch this together. Wait, Joy, you could get lost in there. Think positive. Okay. I'm positive you will get lost in there. That's long-term memory. An endless warrant of corridors and shelves. I read about it in the manuals. The manuals? The manuals! You read the manuals! Yeah. So you know the way back to headquarters. You are my map. Let's go. Lead on, mind map. Show me where we're going. Okay. Only, I'm too sad to walk. Just give me a few hours. Oh! Which way? Left? Right. No, I mean, go left. I said left was right, like, correct. Okay. This actually feels kind of nice. Okay, here we go. We'll be back to headquarters before morning. We can do it. This will be easy. This is working. Sadness doesn't want to move for a couple of hours, at least. And this is what happens when you're sad. You, you get paralyzed. You don't want to move. So Joy, who has a ton of energy, drags her along 
to to make the progress that needs to be made. Sadness makes it easy to become preoccupied with the loss, for sure. And it can slow you down. And what happens is you stop stewarding your responsibilities, which ends up damaging your arenas of responsibility, your, your stewardships. Being down and unmotivated has ruined many people who end up not taking care of their work, being slack on their work, uh, not taking care of the house or their ministry. Uh, when you're down and discouraged, it's easy to let go of these things. And this hurts us and it hurts others. Sadness motivates me to shift my focus to the past, myself, and getting into self-pity, which feeds arrogance and the thinking that I'm the most important person in the world. I, I, all of us tend to think that anyway. What's going on with us is the most important thing that's happening. But the, the scripture says that this kind of arrogance is actually embedded in our heart. The second thing you shift your focus to when sadness hits is you can be slack, which damages stewardships. I, I go slack in my role in the family and my job. I don't care, take care of the house or the yard the way I should, and I neglect my ministry, and it hurts. If I, if I don't serve at church, it hurts. And all these things cause damage in our stewardships. You can try to deal with your, the sadness on your own, like this meme says. When I'm sad, I sing. I realize my voice is much worse than my problems. Now, that's that that's not likely true, is it? But that's a goofy meme. Um but I I don't sing that well for sure. So, my worse my voice could possibly be worse than my problems if they're pretty small problems. But it won't help me deal with sadness in any way. We need to turn to God to deal, help us deal with sadness because he cares. Here's how God responds to sadness. He is aware of our sadness and he cares for us. God cares about us even enough to keep track of our tears. Psalm 56, 8, you have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? He, he is paying attention. He draws close in our tossings. The Hebrew word for tossings is literally wanderings. And the idea here is that a loss in your life 
causes you to wander in sadness. It causes you to get off track and slow you down if you if you're not careful. God is paying attention when we're sad and this is very comforting to me and I'm sure it is to you as well. Here's another truth. He is near to the brokenhearted. Psalm 34:18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. <clears throat> Brokenhearted is a Hebrew word that means to break or to shatter into pieces. And when your heart is shattered, God is near to you to comfort you with the comfort only he can give. He is the God of all comfort. I've had a few moments in my life when I felt like my heart was breaking into pieces. It was shattering. And that's not a good feeling. Crushed is a word in Hebrew that literally means dust or powder. One nuance of the word in Hebrew means to be humiliated in a moment of loss. And I understood this when my dad died. I I was sort of humiliated, not sort of, humiliated, by some of the things I had said to my father through the years. And it, I would have cringe moments when they came to mind. This is when God draws close to us to save us when we're dust and humiliated. He is near to us to help us work through the sadness and grief. Also, God gives joy amid great difficulty. I've had times of loss, and God gives an unexplainable joy in those times to help me walk forward through the difficulty. It's amazing how he does this. He is the God of all comfort. Psalm 4-7 You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. God is enough to help you walk through the sadness of the loss. If you realize all that we have, all that you have in Christ Jesus, that in him you're rich you recognize that you have everything you need to deal with the loss or disappointment. Hebrew, uh, Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And I found that to be true. He is aware of what you're going through. He keeps count of your tossings, and he is near to the brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. He will be enough for you if you turn to him in the midst of the loss. That was certainly true for Job. Let's look at Job's example amid great losses. Job was struck by calamity, and he lost almost everything, And he was a wealthy man, and he had a lot to lose. 
The first thing that happened was that all his servants were attacked by Sabaeans and killed, except the one who delivered the the message that his oxen and donkeys were stolen. Next, the fire of God fell from the sky, the scripture says, and burned up his vast number of flocks and herds. Next, his camels were stolen by the Chaldeans and who carried them off. And then the final blow was that all his daughters, sons and daughters, were feasting at the older brother's house. And a mighty wind swept through the desert, from the desert, and the house collapsed and killed all his children. What did Job do? Job chose to respond in faith. The first thing he did, he praised God even in the loss. Job 1.20 Then Job arose and tore his robe, and shaved his head, and fell on the ground, and worshipped. In the days in which Job lived, men of standing wore a robe over their tunic that would be ripped immediately upon receiving bad news. And this is what happened. He was obviously grieving, but in his grief, he turned to God in worship. His actions spoke loudly. Job chose the right attitude. He said, God gave everything to me, and he has the right to take it away. Job 1.21. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job was stripped of almost everything he had in his life, and yet he knew he lacked nothing. That he would go out of the world the way, the same way he came into the world. All secondary causes faded into the background. He doesn't blame the Sabaeans or the servants who were supposed to be on guard at the time, uh, when his, her, uh, oxen and donkeys got stolen, Job acknowledges the hand of God in these losses, and he trusts the Lord completely. Now we see that uh, Job refused to blame God for doing any wrong, Job 122, and all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Job passed the test. He he did not charge God with any wrongdoing whatsoever. He accepted the fact that he began life with nothing and he would leave life the same way. Job did not worship God for the side effects of his prosperity, and he was a very wealthy man. He worshiped God as his maker whom he trusts. Also, he did not sin with his lips. When we're sad, we can get careless with our words. Job is a good example to us. Here's the advice his wife gave him. Then his wife said to him, 
Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we receive good from God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. That's amazing. Job chose a faith response. There are many times when we're tempted to wallow in our sadness, but in faith, we must accept the loss from the hand of God. When there's nowhere to turn, the best thing I can do is turn to God in faith. Finally, he accepted and submitted to what God had done, even when it was trouble. This passage is a go-to passage for me, and it undercovers our real hope. Job 13:15. Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. I will surely argue my ways to his face. Job knew that if he died, he would hope in God because when he died, he would meet God face to face. This is a fantastic example set by Job for how to handle the waves of sadness. In my experience, when you're grieving a loss, you have waves of grief that hit, hit you at seemingly random times. Sometimes they make sense. Um, when my mom died, I, I would have a reflex to call her uh, for a couple years. I would, I would have something I wanted to share with her, and I would think, oh, I need to call her, and I couldn't. She was gone. And a wave of sadness hit at that point. But the sadness wanes over time, and God is helping us to deal with the sadness. The scripture shows that we need to deal with the waves of sadness by telling God how we feel. First Peter 5.7 says, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. Next, we need to ask for his help. Psalm 46.1 God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He is a refuge to run to and empowers the weak to take action when we don't feel like doing anything. When the weak don't feel like doing anything because of their sadness, he helps us get things done. Next, amid our sadness, being confident or trusting that God will do us good in the future. Joseph's brothers had sold him into slavery. They were about to kill him out of jealousy, but they decided just to sell him to some Egyptians uh, to put him into slavery. They sold him into slavery instead. He had many setbacks in his life after he was in slavery. But long story short, he ended up being the second to Pharaoh in all of Egypt. 
There was a famine across the earth, and his brothers were sent by their father to come to Egypt to get grain because Joseph had wisely stored grain up. Uh, at he asked Pharaoh, and he, Pharaoh gave him permission to store it up. And when he revealed himself to his brothers, they were shaking in their sandals, <laughs> for sure. But this is what he said that reveals an important perspective. Genesis fifty twenty. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph trusted God to turn the evil things, even the evil that he experienced, into good. And that's what God did. Next, we need to speak the truth to ourselves. Psalm 51, 6. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. When when we're sad, when we're grieving, when we're angry, we we can easily just go to extremes. But we need to tell ourselves the truth when we're dealing with grief and sadness. And when we do that, it pleases God and he teaches us wisdom in our secret heart. We must refuse to give in to hopelessness. Proverbs 23:18 says, "Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off." There is this is going to take commitment to refuse to lose hope, to give to refuse to give in to fear so you don't lose heart. We've we've been taking a cue in this series from the kids in kid zone uh who are taught to handle their emotions with hey, say, pray, obey. And this is good for adults. Hey, identify the emotion. I'm feeling sad. Say, scripture, hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Pray, ask God to help you do right and change self-pity to praise. That's that's the fundamental exchange that we need to make when we're feeling sad. Not get into self-pity, but turn it into praise. Obey. Thank God for the situation and for his faithfulness. And take the next step. Say aloud, God will do me good. Then praise him. Blessed be your name, Lord God Almighty. The re- reality is God gives comfort amid our losses. Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Isaiah 53 3 says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one of from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Jesus wept over his his friend's Lazarus death. John 11:35, shortest passage in the Bible, Jesus wept. 
Jesus himself stepped into our world so that he could identify with us and feel with us. He, he feels what we feel. He's acquainted with grief and sadness. And he draws close to us when we're hurting. And that's comforting to me. I, I want to stop and give you some time to think through a next step you want to take. Hopefully God has spoken to you through this message. And I have some suggestions. You may have other things in mind that you would like to do. But here are my su- suggestions. For the first time, accept Christ as my Savior and follow him as Lord. God draws close to us in our grief, and the Lord wants your grief to lead you to him. Come to him right now if you haven't already committed your life to follow him as Savior and Lord. Draw close to God to help you work through your grief and tell yourself the truth about the loss. Stop blaming God as another step and trust him. Maybe you've had a tough loss and you haven't gotten past it. And you need to trust God in faith in that loss. You could do that right now. Memorize Psalm 42.5 to remind you to put your hope in God. Psalm 42.5 says, Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. I hope this message has been a help to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the truth of your word that comforts us. That's one of the things that happens As we get into your word, you bring comfort in ways that we can't imagine, really. It's amazing how you give joy in the midst of loss. And I pray that you you would help us as some are hurting right now with the loss that they've experienced. I pray that you draw close, and I know you will and comfort, and bring joy in the sadness. I pray also that you'd give us strength to take the next steps you've laid on our heart to take. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen.